Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Well, uh, we are in our final uh, worship service celebrating our 40 days in the Word, and I'm glad that you've been along for the ride. If you took look on the back side of your bulletin, there's a place to take some notes, and, um, and uh, we're going to jump right in. We have been on a journey uh, of uh, really almost seven weeks, uh, 40 days of, of learning how to meet with God in His Word. Uh, we have uh, we focused on developing uh, the habits necessary to to grow relationally uh, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and in particular the habits uh, of of Bible intake. Uh, and and so we, in hopes of integrating God's Word into into our lives. And so I've been I've had a few of you ask questions this week like this: How do I? How this has been great, Pastor? How do I keep on going? How do I keep on developing and growing in the habits, in the skills uh, necessary to understand and know Christ better through his word? How do I, how do I work this into the, to the rest of my life? I want to do it, but I'm, I'm not sure uh, how to stick with it. I don't want to stop. I don't want to get off the path. I don't want this to be just a flash in the pan. I want this to be a, uh, a, a lifelong journey. You'll remember uh, I've mentioned it almost every week, uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who was the author of the workbook that we studied, uh, received a tweet uh, from a young man who was a new believer. Uh, I saw it in the summertime and said, Pastor Rick, how can I, I'm a new follower of Jesus, how can I get to know Jesus as well as you do? How can I get to know him and how can I get to know as much about him as you do? And he said, again, it's very simple. Just spend some time alone with him and his word every day for the next 40 years. And so that's really how simple it is. Spend some time with him. That's the way we get to know uh, everyone. That's how we develop a relationship with everyone. Think about the the big realms of life, Uh, your spiritual life, which is your relationship with Christ, Uh, your physical and emotional health, your finances, your work, your career, uh, the relational realms of your life, your, your marriage, your family, your uh, friends, your, your neighbors. Uh, how, do you, how do I work God's word into every realm uh, of my life? Well, you can do it several ways, but we've given you six handles across these 40 days uh, to help you remember to do it and, and how to do it. You can fully integrate God's Word into your life by using the six verses that we have memorized together across these 40 days. So let's take a look at them, a little reminder uh, to uh, pound the nails in a little deeper this morning. And here's the first way. You can integrate God's Word into your life fully in all the realms of your life if you will, first of all, build on it. Build on it. Jot that down. And then take a look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Here's one of the verses that we memorized. Uh, Say it out loud with me. Ready? Here we go. 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. Jesus used those words and he gave us that metaphor of building our house or the house is our entire life. How to build our life on his word. That his word becomes the foundation for living. For what we believe and how we behave. How we how we practice life, how we live our lives on a day-to-day uh, basis. He's saying, make God's Word the primary foundation of your life. Another way to say it is this, make God's Word the final say-so for what you believe and how you behave and what you value. Let, let God's Word tell you who you are and whose you are and where you came from and where you are going, and what your purpose is uh, in this life. Uh, Let God's Word give you specific guidance when you need it. Let God's Word do that. And you will say, well, what, what, what else would we use? Well, our culture and all of us in this room, we are tempted to use almost everything else as the foundation of our lives. Let me, let me give you four unreliable foundations Four unreliable foundations, and here's the first one. Don't, don't use uh, popular culture as the foundation of your life. There are many who use popular culture. That's what, what's happening now and uh, who's, who's on television and giving advice and uh, we'll just do what's cool and just do what the crowd does. But listen to this, Exodus chapter 23, verse 2. This is God's word. He said, You must not follow a crowd in wrongdoing. You must not follow a crowd in wrongdoing. Now, he said it before your mama, but your mama also said it to you. She said, if everybody else jumped off a cliff, okay, okay. I mean, that's, you know, God and your mama said it. And he said, don't let popular culture uh, be the foundation of, of, of what you believe and how you behave and what you value and how you identify your yourself. You let the scriptures do that. Here's another unreliable foundation. It is this one. It is tradition. Now, tradition has some value. And even in the spiritual life, it, even in, the, in, in the, the life of Christianity, our traditions are important. Most traditions became traditions because they had some value. However, uh, our tradition is not to be the final say-so in our lives. Listen to this. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, uh, chapter 7, verse 8. Mark 7, verse 8. Disregarding the command of God, you keep the tradition of men. Don't disregard the counsel of God for the tradition of men. Here's a third unreliable foundation, and it is this one. Reason. Human reason, human intellect. Now, I'm not saying, you say, well, should we not think? Oh, no, I'm not saying that at all. Christianity is a thinking person's faith. God calls us to think, to think deeply, to study deeply. In fact, uh, for those of you who are kind of newcomers, maybe you're not yet followers of Christ and you're checking out the claims of Christ here, our church exists as a welcoming place for doubt, for doubters, uh, for skeptics, uh, for, for cynics even. Uh, doubt, we find, we find men and women of God all through the scriptures doubting and asking God hard questions. This is a safe place uh, to ask questions and to, to que- but if Jesus is true and his word is true, 
then it can hold up to any amount of examination. And so we should examine it to see if these things are so. So we are to be thinking. However, human reason is not an adequate foundation for the final say-so. Say, what seems right to me must be it. If I, if, I, if I go to the counsel of God's Word and I disagree with it, say, well, that just doesn't seem like that's possible, or that just doesn't seem right to me. I'm going to do this instead, or I'm going to believe this instead. Well, then my reasoning is in error. We let the Scriptures correct our thinking, not our thinking correct the Scriptures. Got it? Does that make sense? It's an inadequate source of, uh, for, of uh, a foundation for life. Popular culture, tradition, reason. Listen to this. The wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, penned these words inspired by God the Holy Spirit in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Seems right, but the end is the way of death. Uh, There is a fourth unreliable foundation. However, many of us go with it, and it is our feelings, emotions. Our emotions are not a reliable foundation for our living, for choosing how we are to behave and what we are to believe and, and, uh, and, and what is of, of great value. Uh, we say it another way. We don't say our emotions typically, but we, uh, we see it sweeping our culture beginning in the late 50s, certainly through the 60s and 70s, and we're, we are reaping what we have sowed in our culture and in our own lives and our families because we think our emotions, our feelings are what matter. If it feels right, do it. If it feels good, do it. Oh, yeah. If it feels good, do it. And, oh, we say it uh, a little bit more, uh, in a little bit more sophisticated fashion today and, and even uh, with a little bit of passion and uh, sentimentality. Follow your heart. Huh? Look within yourself. If you really look within yourself, you'll be horrified at what you find. You are, you are not, you, the, it's, but it's all, that's, that comes out of Eastern thought, Eastern religion, that truth is inward, we look inside. But Jesus said, whatever you do, don't follow your heart. Whatever you do, don't look within yourself for direction. The psalmist said, I look up into the hills, to the high places, you know, the mountains, where does my help come from? Well, not up there. It comes, or not in here. It comes from the Lord our God, his, his word. Uh, don't go with your feelings. Now, one youth speaker that I know put it, would put it very bluntly to the high school students. He'd say, don't think with your glands. Yeah, don't think with your glands. You can write that one down. Make, put it on your quote wall. Whatever you do, don't think with your glands. The Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. Our feelings are highly unreliable. Uh, and the Bible told us this thousands of years ago in the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25. says it this way. At that time, there was no king in Israel, so people did whatever they felt like doing. Well, that sounds like 2013 to me. 
is do what's right in our own eyes. We do whatever we feel like doing. So, so we integrate God's Word into our life by building our life on it, making it the foundation, the final say-so, the final source of authority for what we are to believe, how we are to behave, how we, what we value. It tells us our identity, who we are, whose we are, where we came from, where we are going, how we are to spend our lives, what is of great, great value. We build on it. Second way to integrate God's Word into your life is by feeding on it. Feeding on it. Just like the feeding frenzy we had outside over the Krispy Kreme donuts when you came in. Uh, feed on it. Uh, do, do you remember this verse we memorized? Colossians three sixteen. It's on the screen. Read this one out loud with me. Ready? Here we go. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, throughout the Bible, the Bible is self-described as, as food, as spiritual food, the pure milk of the word. I mean, we, we see it described in, 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 in food metaphors all the way through uh, the scripture. Now, just as we need physical food to live our physical lives, we need spiritual food to live our life with Christ. Dr. Eugene Peterson uh, wrote a book about Bible intake, about the lifestyle of Bible intake, uh, feeding on the word of God. And the title of the book is this, Eat this book. A darn good title. Eat this book. Eat this book. Uh, we're to fill up on God's word. We're to eat it constantly. We're to digest it constantly. We're to, to take it into our lives constantly. When a, when a child is weak, uh, her mom or her doctor will say, when did you last eat? Well, are you feeling too weak to face your current circumstances? You're feeling too weak to face the challenge relationally that you're in now, the troubles in your marriage, difficult children, challenges on the job, uh, financial pressures, those of you who are running organizations. Um, are, you, are you feeling weak? Well, then have a good meal. Feed on God's Word. When did you last eat God's Word? When did you last have a good meal of meditating on God's Word, Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. So let's go back, way back to our kickoff Sunday uh, at the beginning of this journey together, and let's review the five ways that we uh, get God's Word into our life. Remember the hand illustration? Some of you remember that? Well, first of all, number one, we listen. We listen to God's Word. We get in a place where we, we hear it, uh, get the Bible on tape, hear it taught in worship services, in your, in your small group, uh, hear it discussed, um, listen when you're to podcasts of sermons. Get, again, get the Bible on recording and as you're commuting to work, listen, uh, listen through. Get in a place where you listen to God's Word consistently. Second, uh, you read it. You get, a, you get a plan to systematically read through the Scriptures. Now, the point is not to get finished. The point, remember, the point is not to get through the Scriptures. The point is to get the Scriptures through you. And so take your time. Uh, soak in it. Read through it. If you read it through it every year, fine. If you read through it every two years, fine. If you read through it every five years, fi fine. 
but just consistently read it. Uh, number three, you study it. Now, we have been uh, looking this past six weeks at six ways to meditate on the Scriptures, to study the Scriptures. Uh, fourth is to remember it or memorize it, commit it to memory. Fifth is to act upon it. Uh, take action on God's Word. That's how we uh, feed on God's Word. So, first two ways to integrate God's Word into our life. Build on it. Feed on it. And the third one is this. Live by it. Live by it. Uh, you know, I use God's Word all through the day to help me. To help me resist temptation. To help me avoid error. Uh, to, to seek direction, uh, to protect my life from evil, live by God's Word. Now, in, in our 40 Days in the Word small groups, we uh, studied the value of memorizing God's Word, of internalizing it, working it into our, into our hearts. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, many of you will know this story. Some of you, this will be the first time you've heard it. We find the story of Jesus after he began his public ministry going away into the wilderness to be alone with God for 40 days, and there the devil came to him and tempted him three times, three big temptations. And as he tempted him, every single time the devil tempted Jesus, Jesus resisted that temptation by quoting Scripture back to him that was from his heart. It is, it is God's way to resist temptation. Remember the verse that we memorized, Psalm 119, verse 11? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, hide God's word in your heart. You can do the same if you hide God's word in your heart to overcome temptation, uh, to gain confidence in sharing your faith, to win over worry, to prevent depression, to strengthen your prayer life, to give wise counsel uh, to other people. Uh, put it into your heart. Build on it. Feed on it. Live by it. And the fourth way that you can integrate God's Word into your life is by growing through it. By growing through it. Uh, we... we um, we memorized Psalm 119, verse 18 together. Here it is. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Say that one with me. Ready? Here we go. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. We grow through it. We ask God to open our eyes that we may see what's there and grow through it. Now, some people call this being teachable. Teachable. And... Uh, Jesus told a great parable called the parable of the soils. And in the parable of the soils, he says that a sower went forth to sow seed, and he, he sowed the seed indiscriminately. He just slung it everywhere. He slung it on the, on the, on the hard-packed red clay path. He sowed it on the rocky path. He sowed it, on, he sowed it over where the thorns and the thistles uh, were growing, and then he sowed it on some good soil. Now, some call it the parable of the sower. Uh, many call it the parable of the soils because the soil represents the condition of the receiver's heart, the, 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 the level of receptivity to Christ and his word. Some people have hard hearts, not teachable at all. 
some people uh, have uh, hearts that are a little bit burdened, and, and when God's Word comes, it's, it's choked out by the thorns and the weeds uh, in their life. Uh, some have the, uh, the Word snatched away by the evil one, but some people are very, very teachable, very teachable. And when God's Word uh, enters their heart and life, uh, they grow magnificently. Uh, they grow rapidly. Teachable. You know, some of the most teachable people in our church are our children. I love to hear from them. I want you to hear from two young ladies uh, in our elementary division who had a good experience in 40 Days in the Word. Take a look at the screen. Dear Pastor Keith, during 40 Days in the Word, I decided to incorporate some of what I was learning into my fifth grade girls' small group. We practiced scripture memorization with the pronunciation method which opened up a whole new level of understanding scripture with our fifth grade girls. I gave the girls Bible homework, and even in the midst of a hectic fifth grade school life, 100% of my girls turned in their homework. Even those who were out would make up for the weeks they had missed. Well, I learned that God will help us um, through all bad situations, um, even good ones. And um, I also learned that He will not tempt you into doing stuff. He will let you have time to think about it. It is so awesome to have young ladies of faith developing Bible study skills at such a young age. Each week we would display the homework on our classroom wall, and part of me never wants to take it down because God did such powerful work in the lives of these girls. One of the things I learned was you can defeat the evil one by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the second one was God will protect you. The third one was Stand firm and don't let the evil one bring you down. The fourth one was, God's word is powerful. And the fifth one was, God's word can teach us how to live a righteous life. And I also learned that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes from our Father. These 40 days will leave a handprint of Jesus' love on their hearts. And I am certain that moving forward, they will use the applications we have learned as we study God's word together. Sincerely, then. So, uh, you might say, boy, you know, my heart was really more tender and open to God when I was in the fifth grade than it is now. Uh, Here's the deal. You get to, you're the one who can harden your heart and you're the one who can tenderize your heart. Frequently through the scriptures, you will see uh, the scripture referring to people who heard God's word, and it will say something like this, but they hardened their heart. It's not that someone out there or something or some circumstances hardens our heart. We, may, we go, all, most of us in this room have lived long enough to, to have suffered, and many in the room are suffering right now. You've had good things happen, bad things happen in your life. But you are the one who's responsible to choose your response. God created you with the capacity to decide your response. If you find the condition of your heart now to be resistant, hard-hearted toward God, well, you chose that. Now, you might have had plenty of opportunity with some difficulty to choose that, but you chose that. I'm begging you now to loosen that thing up, tenderize it, 
Open your heart up. Be dirt honest with God and say, wow, Lord, I've been hard-hearted. I'd like, to, I'd like to hear from you. Even those of you who are skeptics say, you could say, God, if you're really real and I, and I honestly doubt it, I want you to show me. Will you show me? If you're really there, will you show me? And if you are, if you are loving like you say you are, show me as well. You can integrate God's Word into every area of your life if you build on it, if you feed on it, if you live by it, if you grow through it. And then here's a fifth way. If you act on it. If you act upon it. Uh, we, uh, we memorized this verse, James 1.22. We heard one of the students refer to it in their testimony in the video at the beginning of the service. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. And so we, we practiced six ways. We learned and we practiced six ways of meditating on God's word so that we could act upon it. Uh, we, uh, uh, we practiced the picture it method. You remember that one where we visualize each scene uh, in our mind and identify with each person if it's a narrative and, and uh, just picture the word. We practice the pronounce it method where we emphasize each word aloud in the verse and then write down our thoughts as we meditate on each word in the verse. We practice the paraphrase method. Paraphrase it, which is writing out the scripture passage in your own words. Uh, we learned and practiced the personalize it method, where we put our name in, in each verse. Uh, like James one twenty two, Keith, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, Keith. You put your own you put your own name there, and then we rewrite it as if God were speaking to us in the first person. Uh, personalize it. Uh, we practice the probit method with the, that strange acrostic, <laughs> space pets. But we remember it. Um, is, there a, is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Uh, and on and on and on and on. Just key questions to, to ask of that verse to help us slow down and see what's there. And see what's there. And we practice the pray it method where we turn the passage into a prayer, our own personalized prayer back to God. So I would encourage you to keep practicing those and take action on what God says. Uh, as, we, as we wrapped up uh, the practice each day of the verses with these methods, the last thing we would do was write our application in our prayer. Keep doing that on a, daily, on a daily basis. You can integrate God's Word into every realm of your life. If you'll build on it, feed on it, live by it, grow through it, act on it. And also, I guess we're kind of back full circle now. If you will trust in it. If you'll trust in it. Psalm 119, 105, we learned. Here's what it says. Your Word is a lamp to my feet. And a light for my path. You know, a lamp for our feet is a—it's kind of like the flashlight when you're in the dark. You're outside at night. You're maybe camping, or uh, for whatever reason, you know, you can you show where the next step is is to be taken. A lamp for my feet. God's word is also a light for our path. It lights the path. We can see 
down the path, which way to go. When you're in the dark in your house, what do you do? When you find yourself in the dark, what do you do? Turn on the light. You flip the light on. Well, are you in the dark right now in your life? Just feel like I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know my next step. I need guidance. I need help. Well, turn on the light. Turn on the light of God's word. Trust in him to order your steps. He says in Psalm 32 verse 8, I will counsel you with my eye upon you and show you the way to go. He says in Proverbs to uh, acknowledge me in, in all your ways. Do not lean on your own understanding and I will make your path straight. He promises guidance to us and it comes, first of all, through his word. You'll be able to see more clearly. Are you in darkness? You need to know what to do to take the next step. Well, let's follow him. And I'm going to give you the time to do that now. We're going to pray. We've got 28 minutes left in this service, so unhurried, unrushed time. I want you to turn the place where you're seated into your own personal, private place of prayer. I'm going to be here at the front if you want someone to pray for you. I'm going to ask if any of our pastors and staff or any of our elders, active or inactive elders, if you're here, would you come just kind of line up across the front or down the sides in case people need prayer uh, that they might um, uh, have someone to come and, and pray to, would you? Go ahead and do that now if you're here. Yeah, there you go, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Well, I'm going to open our prayer time, and why don't you start by saying, Lord, I'm in the dark and I need some guidance. And why don't you bring to him the people, the person or the people that uh, you're anxious about, you don't know how to relate to next, the relationship or the issue that you're facing, where you need God's guidance, you need God's help. And let's spend a few minutes asking for his help. Lord, we come to you now thanking you that you give us your word, that we may build our lives upon it, that we may feed on it, that we may live by it, that we may act on it, that we may trust in it, trust in you. So I pray that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit as we pray. Help us to hear your voice. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Now. Father, thank you for hearing these prayers. Thank you, Lord, for hearing the prayers of those here who are suffering physically, many of them sick, some of them very, very sick. Our prayer is that you would heal them. We pray that you would heal them as you 
did from time to time in the scriptures. Touch them by the power of your hand and restore them to health immediately, instantaneously. Lord, if you choose not to do that, we pray that you would heal them over time using the processes you designed into their bodies, the gift of great medical care that you've provided, the touch of your hand, and sustain them through the process. But Lord, if they remain ill, if you choose not to do that, we pray that you would sustain them by your amazing grace. We pray for those who are suffering difficulty in their marriage. Lord, so many of us are struggling in our marriages, and we pray for outside help for them. We pray that you would grant them grace uh, to ask for, extend, receive forgiveness. Give them wisdom to know how to build bridges of reconciliation. Increase the softness of their hearts toward one another and turn the hearts of husbands and wives back to each other, we pray. And uh, grant them healing. May they grow in intimacy with and enjoyment of each other. Uh, for as long as they live. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling with their families, with their kids. We pray some of the kids who've, or prodigal kids who've gone over the wall and having real struggles. We pray that you'd turn those kids back to their moms and dads and turn the hearts of the fathers and the mothers to their children and bring healing and reconciliation. Lord, I pray for our brothers and sisters here uh, who are in the grip of addictions some to alcohol, some to drugs, some to pornography, some to sexual issues, uh, other big deals. Lord, these are big strongholds of sin, but you are bigger than those. And I pray that you'd break the chains on their hearts and lives, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would uh, set them free of... uh, any addictive behaviors, make them whole again, make our church a place of healing and recovery. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling spiritually. I pray for my friends here who are doubters, some who are skeptics, some who are cynics. I pray that you would make yourself real to them. And for many who are ready, I pray that you'd help them step across the line of faith surrender their hearts and lives to you as the Lord and Savior of their lives. Turn from their sin and self-driven life and place their trust in you alone for their salvation. Lord, we are grateful for these things, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.